Hello and welcome to the Arnithology Presents the Cruise Cast. I am Ben Hyten. And I'm Alex Belletti, sounding a little bit coldy today. You do sound very full of something. Yeah, but I'm alright. I'm here, I'm ready to go. Great. Yeah. We are coming to the end of our cruise-a-thon of watching all of Tom Cruise's films, having done all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's films. And it's time for the second go-around with Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, from 2016, directed by Edward Zwick, whose name might sound familiar because he directed The Last Samurai, which we did previously. Now, we talked about uh, the first Jack Reacher film a few weeks ago, and we got into a little bit of the changes from the the character as written by Lee Child to the translation to the screen by casting Tom Cruise. And I think it's safe to say neither Alex or I are avid Reacher readers. So we've got a guest with us today. Alex, why don't you introduce our guest? Give a warm round of applause to Dr. Richard Maul. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Hi. How are you guys doing? Very well. Do you have a PhD in Reacherology, is that? Uh, Unfortunately, no. That's not what my PhD is in. So, Richard... What we always do when we have a guest on is we ask them about their familiarity, fondness for and background with the person that we're talking about. So Tom Cruise, obviously been a big figure in films for about 30 years. What's your experience of him being? So like, actually, like many other people that you've spoken to, um, I wasn't a big fan and it wasn't until Minority Report came out that I kind of changed my mind. I'm not quite sure why that is. Uh, particularly having rewatched Minority Report, decided it's not as good a film as I remember. Yeah, it's but, okay, um, isn't it? It's all right, but it's maybe at the time it was. But I think it's something to do with his character. I mean, the first film I recall seeing him in would have been Rain Man, mm-hmm. and I think like a lot of those early films, he genuinely plays a dislikable character, mm. but with some superficial charm, and so I just disliked him. I think, or just found him annoying and cocky and arrogant or something like that and never really, would never really pick a film because it's a Tom Cruise film. Yeah. Um, whereas, whereas now I'd be much more inclined to, yeah, and post sort of. But, but you like, never, you, but you would never not go to a film because it's a Tom Cruise film. No, right? that's true equally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's my kind of. Well, what I thought of Tom Cruise, but actually having having been following you and and watching the films, or or maybe ninety percent of them as we've gone through, I've changed my mind somewhat about uh-huh. him. You love him, so now. I'm more. I love so, is a bit strong. So Tom's Tom's superficial charm has turned into actual charm. Maybe I think it's more <laughs> that I think it's more that he plays different characters. Part of it's he plays different characters now, actually. Uh, I mean, and reaches the complete antithesis of like his early stuff, yeah. right? You know, yeah. um, but he's more—he's, I don't know, more serious. Probably more depth in the movies. Well, before we before we get into the Reacher character itself, yeah, because you had read some of these books before the first film was made, had you? Yeah, well, sort of. So what happened was, I, I, you know, when they do those really early sort of mini trailers, maybe six months or more before a film comes out. Yeah. That they'd actually done that for a Reach movie. And I was right. I was watching something else with a friend who was had been for years a really big Reacher fan. And we had this conversation about the the online joke on message boards was that oh they should make a Re- Reacher movie and ha 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 wouldn't it be funny if it was little Tom Cruise who plays right. the part. No way. And had been go- that been for years had been the thing. In the in the gap between then and the movie, I must have read uh, I don't know half a dozen of the books before yeah. I saw the Reacher movie, and then I've read subsequent books after that. They're they're fairly quick to read, so you know you can get through them at a pace. So I I was aware that Tom Cruise is in that role, but then got kind of in a two minute trailer, but then got embedded in more of reading what. I think Jack Reacher should look like, and it's obviously not what Tom Cruise looks like. Quite. But did you to bit so? Did you before like seeing Reacher? Did you rate Tom Cruise as an actor, let alone as a movie star? Like, did um, you think he had talent enough to pull off this, despite the fact that he's not the physical form of Jack Reacher? 
I was quite pragmatic about it, and I was my feeling was that they they needed someone of Cruz's stature, as it were, maybe not physical stature, right. um, his profile, his profile to play the role. Yeah. And I and I was hard pushed to think of anyone else who you might pick to play that role who would do it well. Arnie, um, but What's also wrong with Arnie? <laughs> too old. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, is that, we talked about you... Dwayne. We talked about Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, and how he I seems see him made doing for it. it. So did you hear? That. Did you hear our Reacher episode? Did you yes. listen to that? Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, did I you make the... any notes of objections or argue, things you want to argue with us about it? Not really. No. I mean, oh, there's quite yeah. a few things you 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 said, and I was like, "That's interesting." That they're things I'd have picked up, like the the classic uh, in the in the book. Reacher said nothing is printed an awful lot, and obviously yeah. you get that on the screen. Yeah, I, I didn't think you said anything objectionable. And actually, you know, you liked the film. You said lots of nice things about the film. I really enjoyed the first one. Like, okay. I, I was a fan of that when we, when I watched it. I was actually pleasantly surprised that, despite reading the books, I believed Cruz in the role. Or I, it worked for me. Is that because they got the, like, the essence of the character? Yeah, I think... See, the thing for me, really, they're... They're supposed to be. They're actually detective novels. They're not really action novels. These are detectives, like. And I think actually, when, as one of you said, the beginning of the film could have been a Columbo episode yeah. because right. they reveal yeah. the real killer, and it's like you know. And I don't know if if we said it or if we did. Maybe it's not on the episode, but I'm sure we've asked the question many times: Is this action? Is this an action film? Are these action films? And I don't think it's fair to say that they are. Well, I think this one that we're about to talk so. to is is more uh, yeah. an action film. But yeah, I think the first Jack Reach is just a thriller, and yeah. that's what yeah. I would have thought the Reacher books are. They're they're sort of yeah. pulpy thrillers. Exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect yeah description. I mean, you had that kind of even the way it was filmed, you kind of had that vibe, like some of those kind of early nineties uh, noir films. Yeah, like a John Dahl movie. You know that right. kind of. Okay. Yeah, I know. For me again, kind of neo noir kind of. Yeah. Um, and that actually, that's what the books are like. Right. Um, they're, God, they're John mostly... Dahl doing a Reacher film would be amazing, actually. It would be. <laughs> Once again, if you're listening, Tom, please get John Dahl to do your next movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Reacher movie. Yeah, um, and, I mean, and that's a fair point. It's something. It's a point I want to cover up. Uh, cover up? Cover straight up, uh, you know, up top at the beginning. And that is how we feel about this film. So today we're reviewing Never Go Back. Yeah. Uh, the second in uh, of uh, Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher movies. Ben, do you know if there's another one planned? Not at the moment. Massively um, critically acclaimed, I don't think I'm wrong saying that, first attempt at uh, portraying Jack Reacher. Um, and I don't know whether or not this this film's uh, lack, let's say for that, for want of a better term, or lack of success, has anything to do with the portrayal of Jack Reacher. But just I just want to get your your feelings about the, the difference um, and the, and just the straight-up quality of this film on its own, even. Uh, just before that, uh, Richard, if you could answer both questions, mm-hmm. uh, is there any difference as well uh, with uh, in this movie of uh, how Reacher's portrayed? Does he still come across as Reacher and never go back? Because you were satisfied with the portrayal in the first movie. Does it? Is there something different about that in the second one? Yeah, so... Yes, but it's more the, it's more of what he does than how he's acted. So ultimately, it comes down to the screenplay. So an exa- uh, like an example would be there's lots of running. Obviously, kind of what? Cruise does oh, lots of running. I didn't notice it. I... Richard doesn't do running. Um, <laughs> what <laughs> you know? I'm really might... surprised Tom Cruise agreed to do this. That is he... that is insane. He might kind of like uh, I don't know. He's in some gunfight and he has to rush from one position to another. But in in the book of uh, of Never Go Back, they specifically don't run at that first point because they say, "Well, a six foot five man running across a park, everyone's going to see him." So sure. they basically just pretend to be part of the crowd. That's how they evade the police. They don't do any running. They just you know cover their faces, hunch down a bit, hide in different places. Basically, more intelligent evasion than just running around. So that was a bit kind of incongruous. So more like um, the scene in the first film when 
Tom Cruise gets out of the car and just goes and stands at the bus stop. Yeah. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, whereas in in Never Go Back, he'd probably then run off around the corner or something. You know, yeah, so punch a few guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a difference in portrayal. Punch, punch the guy who gave him the hat and then walk away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to be fair, though, because Cruise is, isn't six foot five, actually maybe he can get away with the running in terms of the logic of the plot. Um, yeah, maybe. But then you've got Kobe Smulders running next to you as well. It's like, yeah, who's exactly. not going to turn around with both Tom Cruise and Kobe Smulders running through a park? And a 15-year-old girl. I mean, Later that just on, looks yeah. suspicious straight away. I mean, I was just imagining, like, how much running there is in this. And it's not just Tom Cruise. It's usually like, okay, oh, everyone's running. running. Everyone's, everyone's running. running. God, so much running in this. There is. Um, and the only other thing that, that, in terms of portrayal, is it's almost like he tries... There are, there are too many shots which are held on his face, being kind of emotionless, but... You can see him clenching his teeth and his muscles Funny, going. I noticed this. And a slight this, yeah. smile. And then it's like, mm-hmm. there's just too much of that. Like they, they're kind of focusing on the fact that he's not saying anything by. Right. Yeah, that's his, that's his reach. He said nothing. Yeah, yeah but it's a it, bit it is too much. Nothing, but it, it was my same criticism of Maggie. It's like, we need to do some thinking and some acting. So let's do some thinking acting. And then let's just have crews do. But it's it's something that actually so not really comparing Cruise to Arnie, but it's something that Cruise does he does do that quite well, I think. Just camera on him showing you know you're thinking something's going on, right? Yeah, he's got this, um, this sort of there's something off. He's got this later career tick or yeah. trick, which is sort of looking at someone sideways, raising one eyebrow and doing a little shrug. So you said you really like the first Reacher film, yeah. Is it safe to say, for all of us, this is a big step down, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I saw this, if if this just came out on its own, it's a forgettable film. It's a forgettable action film. If it wasn't set in the Reacher universe, I would just say, what is that movie? Like, Yeah, that's my biggest complaint about this film, is that it so easily would fit in with any of the Liam Neeson, that's, that's Pierce what I'm Brosnan. Trying to reach for. Right. Pierce Brosnan, that's yeah. the one, yeah. And actually, um, when we talked about the first Reacher film, Alex, you referenced the Bourne films, and I objected because yeah. I, yeah. I said that that style is actually very different to what's in Reacher. Yeah, and that's right. my complaint okay. with this film, is that actually it is just a Jason Bourne film, really, isn't yeah. it, this one? Yeah, no, Not prefer, a great one. I'd prefer those, no. If it was within the Bourne universe, it would be one of the worst ones. The plot is nothing. That's the, my objection, right? Yeah. It, it's it's the worst kind of reason for anything happening. Like, kind of, you need some kind of reason for why we're why we're watching all of this stuff going on. And when you find out what the reason is, there's nothing clever about that. Well, we've seen it so many times. There's it doesn't fit. And I'm wondering if it's if the, is that the plot of the Never Go Back book? Sound ye oldy spoiler klaxon? Yeah, it is kind of like the the smuggling, except that within the, like the first chapter, they decide it's nothing to do with arms smuggling, because in this day and age, the U.S. Army has computers and are very good at keeping track of their weapons. So they realise right at the beginning it's nothing to do with arms smuggling. It is ultimately about importing opium, but for a more complex reason than just for money. That's kind of it. But the, I guess the, the, what keeps you going more in the uh, in the novels, although it's not one of the best, I would say, is that things unfold slower. There's a lot more of the two main characters, Reacher and Turner, figuring stuff out. They travel lots of other places in the US. There's a more lengthier, interesting thing happening with the daughter who's actually in LA, and that's just like a separate branch of the story. It's more complex, um, but I guess arguably, fundamentally, it it is a a book about smuggling drugs from Afghanistan, which you would like to think they would have guessed about 20 minutes in um, when they mentioned... When when they were kind of like, well, what else comes out of this this country? Yeah. What do they do there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not guns, it's drugs. 
It's a shame. I think some of those changes, it sounds like they had to make for logistical reasons, like you need a film like this to have some movement and action every sort of 20, 25 minutes. And also you can't have one of your emotional anchors, the daughter character, be detached from the other two main characters. So those changes I can understand for a film. Hmm. But it is a shame that, that they couldn't have done something more interesting with the plot at the same time. Because yeah. I think that's the big thing that's missing from the film. It's a perfectly serviceable action thriller kind of film. But it compl- what it misses that the first film had is Chris McQuarrie's lean, smart writing and his panache, his directorial panache, you know, his style. And this is a right. very everyman-y kind right. of so film. That, that was and my Reacher, Reacher is kind of reduced to an everyman-y kind of lead as well. He doesn't yeah. have any of those really big gutsy moments that he has in the first film. Or even the um, the sort of wit. There's quite a lot of funny moments in the mm. first film. And that's really lacking here. And then in the in the last act, when they do try and bring in his tough dialogue, like, I'm going to break your legs, I'm going to break your arms, and I'm going to break your neck... It doesn't. It's nowhere near as evocative and powerful as "I mean to kill you and drink your blood from a boot." You know, that's just fuck. This guy's a maniac. You know. <laughs> yeah. And that, and so and that's another, so. There's two things. That's definitely that you're on point there, Ben. When you're saying that that's what's going on, there's a step down in terms of our our awe at Reacher. God, this guy's impressive. And the the people around him as well. They they say he they say he's impressive when they're yeah. meeting him. They don't they don't say we hear you're impressive. Whereas in this, it's like we heard all these legends about you. Exactly. Like, but yeah. nobody's actually impressed by him. Really, yeah. nobody's scared by him that much. Or there's that moment where the, you know he gets that first guy when the guys surround him in the warehouse and he throws the crane at him in, in his face or whatever. But and you compare those that. Those three guys are scared, right? But, you compare that to the fight outside the bar in the first uh, film. Not comparable. Not exactly. Not comparable. It's apples and oranges. Right. Well, well see, that there is one thing that has a similar. It's that little bit where he grabs the salt shaker, and he smashes his salt shaker through the glass. Cool. The guys are following. That was cool. That yeah. that's the only little bit where you go. This guy's different and smart. The shot before you see him just playing with a salt shaker, and it cuts back to the two guys in the car. Next thing you see him smashing the glass. And for a start, he's using a salt shaker, not his fist. So it feels more realistic. Yeah. But yeah. he just owns those two guys and just casually walks off and dismantles the gun and bins it. But that I think that's the only bit where you think this is not just a normal action character. He's got something special. He's a bit cleverer. Yeah. He's a bit more smooth. The plane too. All the other fights the plane. are very conventional. The, play, the sequence on the plane oh, yeah. really annoyed me. Oh, really? Why? I thought it was... Brutal and quite. It cool. was so ridiculous. It, it's commando at that point. It was so ridiculous. Uh, all right. Would all right. you not notice someone get decked and their ankle broken if they were sat in front of you on a plane? The, the, I could maybe believe the 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 way he takes down the guy in the toilet, but yeah, the way he takes yeah, down like, the guy in his seat, that's not good. I thought it was, but I, I was. Did I didn't tired. think that actually. At that point, I was just trying. I was still trying to give the movie as much credit as possible. But I did like the way he broke the guy's ankle after oh, yeah. he'd already he'd already knocked him out, and he's like, "Oh yeah, of course you've got to break his ankle so so he doesn't get up and run after me." And there is a kind of strange incongruity because you, when you don't have the the tough dialogue and tough stance of the first film, which I don't think Cruz has in this, he is a much softer reacher for most of it. But actually, then he does these incredibly violent acts. And it doesn't gel. It, it's actually quite awkward, I think. And instead of going, oh, that's awesome, you go, Jesus Christ, that's that's hard. You know, like right. the yeah, blood so splatter you... in the bathroom when he knocks the yeah, guy out. Yeah, that was my reaction too, yeah. And also uh, the hunter when he he's like torturing people and smashing people's heads in with a phone. I know it's supposed to make you go, oh, God, this guy's crazy. But tonally, it's slightly right. awkward. So my second point is tonally it's awkward because you've also got Reacher becoming a family man. I don't want to say that. daddy, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you could still have the, we're trying to convince you you got a daughter thing, but it's like, there are these moments when it's the three of them together where they're trying to make it like a family movie. It's, they are and they're not. It's like, 
maybe it's just I, you can't help but think because of the dynamic that it's like a family. But I'm also confused about it. I'm just like, the thing that's wrong with it is everything that's wrong with the movie like The Pacifier or something like that or The Kindergarten Cop. It, but those that incongruency is being played on in those movies, right, that I just referenced, right? I, you can see that he's uncomfortable. You can see that that's not good. But then, oh, she's she's acting just like she is. His daughter, you know, she's street smart and she's, and I don't buy her a street smart really. I, I get the character is, but, and then you've got these, like you just said, when these bad guys that are so flat, they're so 2D caricatures of what a, a bad guys, I'm not threatened by them in any way. It's like, of course, he's just, a, like you said, a maniac or whatever. Well, that, I mean, that's a big problem coming off the first film as well, is that you certainly don't have a Werner Herzog in this film. <laughs> right. But when you can say you don't even have a Jai Courtney, the film's really doing something <laughs> wrong. Yeah, and no, I think don't. as a main antagonist, the Hunter character or the actor playing him, uh, Patrick Heisinger, yeah. is rubbish. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of his fight scenes are okay, but what a crap character. He's got a look. That's the only thing he's got going for him. Other, other than that, he doesn't do anything special. He didn't have anything special to do. They, well, they talk about how, oh, oh, he must be... It's a bit like with Richard. They talk about his accolades, or oh, he must be a SEAL team or... JSOC. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, it's another one where you don't see it evidenced on the screen. It's just in the dialogue where we then yeah. have to believe this guy, I guess, is sort of at an equal par of skills with Reacher because they're setting it up that, okay, Reacher might have some trouble taking this guy out. But they just do it with that little bit where they're on the phone talking not by any real actions he does apart from maybe that bit where he he grabs the gun in the kitchen and turns it upside down and shoots the police guy in the face that was pretty that was then, brutal yeah. i like i kind of um, like that but just I'm, how cool I'm it is but where you said this, this is a 12a like the like the first one hmm. oh really whether they're teetering on that line of well they can't they can do a little bit of ultra violence to get the certificate, but if it was a 15 or an 18, they'd have gone all out and done it as because Reacher in the book constantly killing people. Um, and serious, and actually, the like in the plane scene, he beats them up a lot worse in the, in the book. My feeling is whether they're trying to, there's that plus they're trying to balance this family story and they're kind of stuck whether it's, it's not one thing or the other, yeah, you know, and that's why it doesn't work because you're getting these two right. jarring kind of messages from a franchise point of view. I understand what they're trying to do in adding some new elements to Reacher's character. So in the first film with Karen Roden's character, you feel that there could have been a romantic connection between these two if they hadn't have had to work together. And this reverses that by having his and Turner's relationship start as a potentially romantic encounter. He wants to take her out to dinner because he likes the sound of her voice and she seems smart and all of that. But then they get embroiled in this conspiracy together. Mm. And the same with bringing in the daddy-daughter stuff is, well, what happens when a character like Reacher, a loner, a drifter, is suddenly faced with the prospect of paternal responsibility? Now, both of those ideas are, are fine. And, I mean, I have to say, when I went to see it in the cinema, as soon as that daughter storyline popped up, my eyes started twitching. I thought, oh, no, please don't do this. And it just about pulled it off. Like, it didn't go as yeah, cringeworthy as a lot no. of these things can. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's, but that, that twitchiness is part of what's wrong with this movie. It's because when you say it just about pulled it off, there was times when it crossed the line. Okay. And they really, to make it work, they really needed to keep it way over this other side of the line. It doesn't fit someone who can remember the serial number on a rifle by looking at it once, right? Yeah. It doesn't fit that he acts in doubt about whether or not this person's his daughter, right? It's such a big deal. And then he says it a couple of times, like, I remember the woman I slept with, you know? Yeah. I think he just starts doubting with time, though, because, I mean, at the beginning, he's adamant. He knows. Yeah. But as he spends time with it, it's little things like, and they, they try and do it with uh, the way she acts. And then he says one bit where it's like, when she's running away, he's like, well, that what that's what I would have done. Like, he's assuming she's, doing actions and thinking the same way he is. And I think he's taking little bits of little bits of evidence of, of similarities, uh, I guess being um, selectively biased ultimately with those and kind of going, well, maybe she could be, you know, I'm not yeah. infallible. 
I think he's like ninety five percent sure she's not, but there's a little yeah, bit so, of him but, that's going. So this one saying, give us something, give us something to doubt, you know. Like there's the line that the the general he goes round to his house to like get the something on USB sticks and information of it. And he almost breaks yeah, his colonel, arm. I think. Yeah, oh colonel. When he's got him in this arm lock, he says, "We've got ways of getting to you, Reacher." And Reacher like is like like what <laughs> like. You mean the daughter that I know about that isn't, right? I would like to have seen, to keep it on that side of the line, I would like to have seen Reacher be much more, it's something, give us something to show like why you're so much in doubt. Not just this little bit of street smarts and it's like, oh, she's like me, so that means that she must be my daughter. To me, uh, what the film uh, it basically ended up saying, and it should have, or it could have said it more explicitly, is in a moment like that to say, it doesn't matter whether she's my daughter or not. I'm not going to let you hurt her because that to me is Jack Reacher. At least yeah. that, at least that, if not even give us some backstory to say, well, yeah, actually there was this time when I was in whatever, Tijuana or whatever. And I was really off the rails. I was, you know, do you know what I mean? I was, I You're was losing having, it. You're talking about was, losing yeah, it, like losing, Exactly. That's the cruise of us. There it is. Do you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Something. Or, I, I mean, I'm not saying the, this film could go there, but something even that, they orchestrated the bad guys to like to get to reach us. Something that really, something smart that makes us doubt. In the book, there is. Yeah, go on. So, so because in reality, this is why it's a bit odd. When you're watching the film, it turns out that she happens to live near DC, and okay, he, you know that he was based there at some point, but being in, being in the army, he's been all over the world, and I think it's in Japan or one of his postings in Asia. He's told that this girl was conceived in Asia when he was based there and he think he sees a birth certificate and it matches up with when he was overseas in Asia so there's this little bit of kind of like well it could be because she's at the right time in the right country it's not just some random person in a, who lives near DC yeah it's that anything that kind of thing yeah and I was even hoping that it was like part of a thicker plot or they had taken his DNA or something you know I don't think that fits for this film but you wanted her to be a clone robot maybe maybe Okay. But just just something that would something that would lend credence to his own doubt, because he's so smart and he's so on it. And that's another thing that I yeah. found that was a bit lacking in this is that where's his where are his excellent detective skills? You know, Toby Smulders is opening up weapons like, ah, oh, shoot, the weapons are still there. Yeah. There's probably there's obviously nothing else inside those crates, and I'm going to open them up one at a time. You wouldn't. You just say open all of them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, Make just... a thing of it. We're gonna stay here. Yeah. Until all right. of these cases are open. 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 That one. Ah. Oh, damn. Yeah, it was a poor sequence. Okay. That you compare those two, like piecing the bits of the puzzle together. Yeah. Compare that to the victim montage uh, from mm. the first film, where Reacher is revealing more information to Rosamund Pike about how these victims are connected. Uh, they're not yeah, random. Yeah, wow. Yeah, exactly. And that was I, my main note is the quality of storytelling in this. It's they're not comparable. Actually, I, we're going to great lengths to try to compare them, and it's so it's so boggling. It's so bemusing. Why would there be such a massive difference in the storytelling? And fine, I get it. Chris Corey's hands not in it in terms of the writing as as much as um, it was in the first one. But well, at all, he's not uh, in right. it at all. Not in it at all. He's just a producer. Yeah. Well, that explains it then, I guess. And but but also there shouldn't be t- anything too much wrong with Zwick either. His direction, right? I mean, he did such a fantastic job on the Last Samurai, exactly. one that we really loved. And actually, yeah. I wish that he had brought some of that more classical style to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, make it a little bit more sweeping, a little bit more epic. Uh, it's a shame because he's just ended up doing Born Light in this for me. Yeah. It's a shame because I, you know, I really wanted to like it. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it before, but I, I obviously had heard that it wasn't as great. It wasn't as good as the first one, and I was thinking, ah, I reckon that's people just being haters, and so I'm gonna watch it really with open mind. And I, at the beginning, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I'm in a Reacher film, and it felt like I was. Yeah, first fifteen, first 20 minute, minutes is yeah. great. Yeah, I love the first great, minute. Yeah. The first minute's great. That's just so cool. The, it's like, yeah, okay, that's really Jack Reacher. So it's not like they didn't do a Jack Reacher movie, but there's so many times when it feels like they departed from that. Yeah, we've said it already. It could easily be one of those straight-to-DVD Liam Neeson 
It's a Pierce Brosnan I, movie. I don't like actively dislike the film. It's a, it's a a mild disappointment for me, but I think it's an almost film. Major Turner is almost a really good character. Yeah. The daddy daughter stuff almost works. The conspiracy is almost intriguing enough, and the mm. action is almost good enough. Yeah. But it it just it really lacks Chris McQuarrie. Yeah, but and none of it fits together. <laughs> it doesn't. There's one point where I was like, I think it was about forty minutes into the movie, almost an hour. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Actually, yeah. that was my note. What's happening again? Where? Uh, me where too. Are we? Halfway through, I was thinking, I'm yeah. not going to be able to summarize the plot of this. I feel like I've I've missed it. The, I know that, these people are, are running around, but it's actually so much more simple than the film makes us think. It's yeah. something really weird about the way the story's told. That's like it's, it's a bit sloppy in that sense. I yeah, think. yeah, that's, yeah. That's reassuring you felt to say because I was I was taking some notes as I was watching it, and I was struggling to write anything, and I just yeah. thought that's me. <laughs> I can't figure anything to write, but obviously it's the film. No, seriously, Richard. My notes were just like the way he gets the attorney's name is excellent. So that's it, and then. I understand. I don't have to speak. Oh, that's nice. I like that bit. And yeah. then called back to the military. Uh, prison breakout. Internet cafe. Kitchen fight. <laughs> Those are my notes. During that whole half hour of the movie. I'm Which like, is the film. Oh, some stuff's happening. Yeah, here's some, exactly. Here's some stuff happening. Exactly. Right. But w- within that, there are some cool moments. So let's talk about some yeah. of our favorite moments. I said like one of my favorite lines for moment, moment slash lines is when he's saying, yes, he's being interrogated, but and he just says, he's messing with him, right? The way he's like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, what? Yes, this? Yeah. Yes, I understand. I don't have to speak. A shout out to Holt, Holt McKelleny, who plays the colonel. I love that guy. I yeah, first good. noticed him in Fight Club. But if you um, if you watch Mindhunter, the Netflix series, he's the co-lead in that. And he's fantastic. Oh, right. yeah, nice. And the film needed more of him, I think. Uh, they could have used him more. And this is the thing. They could have used any of the characters more. And this is, it's really telling... When I think you know the um, the the private, the corporal, the the young, low-ranking officer who helps Tom Cruise out, Leech. who like uh, Leech, yeah, she was an interesting character. She was on yeah. screen for like ten seconds. She was and, fun, but just as interesting as the really big bad guy. Yeah, yeah, and the same with um, <laughs> Jessica Straup or Stroop or whatever who played his uh, uh, the, the lawyer. Yeah, she's yeah. Got, she's in um, uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. Th- there was like a little bit of spark when she came on screen, and yeah. then no, she's out of the picture as well. Yeah. But to talk about things that we like, the yes. kitchen fight <laughs> was was pretty good. There were bits in the kitchen fight pretty, that I thought were good. Pretty good. But the bit that I liked the most about it was when they go into a kitchen, and there's lots of things that you could use as a weapon. <laughs> Kobe Smolder's weapon of choice is a literal meat tenderizer. <laughs> That's great. If she came at me with a meat tenderizer, I would shit my pants. No question. Oh, right. So you're saying it's great. I thought you were yeah. going to like, I thought you were secretly criticizing it for like knives in a kitchen. Are they not no, no. A good? Go, no. go for the meat tenderizer. The mallet. The, you know, it's like. It's huge as well. It's huge and metal, right? Yeah. But if you're a trained like seal or JSOC or whatever, you've probably been taught how to fend off a knife. How do you fend off a meat grinder, a meat tenderizer? <laughs> Yeah, a meat grinder would have been amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> one of the massive industrial ones. Like, dodge this. Richard, any uh, standout moments for you? Um, yeah, so like I said before, I like the bit when he used the salt shaker to smash the glass. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Him. yeah. I like the bit when they when they come out of the prison and they're like, well, what, what kind of car would a lawyer have? And they go, a black sedan. <laughs> yeah. And they come out and every single car's an identical black sedan. Yeah. And they're trying to find the right car. That's just a nice little little joke. Although a joke yeah, yeah, from like the book. It, it is from the book. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, uh, they should take as much much more from the book. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, that's, I think possibly that's the you know because the first one was very very close to the original book. All the all they really changed were, were reduced the number of characters. Pretty much everything else was identical. Yeah, well, that's fair you know, all very similar. Yeah, that's fair yeah. It's all I guess it's all relative stuff. I quite like it when he turns up with the food and they just slam the door in his face. So he turns up in there in New Orleans <laughs> and he brings the McDonald's and he hands them the food. Yeah. yeah. And they just slam the door in his face and then he has to sit and eat it by himself. <laughs> it's it's like, funny. Yeah, and and then actually they're right there. She's right there. It, you're, you're right. It's But so that's one of the things that 
I can appreciate it as like it's a it's a funny moment. And as badass as this Jack Reacher guy is, these people don't necessarily always take him seriously, right? Though they're not giving him respect, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's quite an easy kill nowadays. I think it's very easy to to do that. Just yeah. make fun of the macho man. I'm not saying that scene is necessarily something I didn't like. It that was fine, but it's part of this theme that it kept again crossing that line in the, in a negative way to to like the family movie, and it's and it's. Not that fan movies are bad. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with them. This is this is where Alex makes a case for Never Go Back being Cruz's kindergarten cop. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that is not what I was going to say, but was almost what I was going to say. You know those trailers where they re-edit something to make it a family movie? Like yeah. There's a good one where they've done it with The Shining. Yeah, The Shining one's great. <laughs> I totally want to see one of this. <laughs> I want to see one. Uh, you, it, this would be so easy to do. Really easy. Yeah. Yeah. There were, Salisbury um... Hill playing in the background. <laughs> That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of other lines as well. We, I kind of liked. So right at the beginning, that first scene in the in the diner, mm. and the guys about to get arrested. The police goes. Yeah. Reacher just says, "If it were up to me, I'd just kill you." Yeah. Which fits with. Reach. I, I did a little. Ca- I I got to about book six. Uh, by about book sixteen, and there are twenty-two <laughs> novels and thirty-seven. If you could the short stories, in those yeah. first sixteen, he kills seventy people. <laughs> so I'm guessing the 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 total kill rate is over a hundred in the books. So he's quite happy, literally, just to be killing people as a form of justice. Basically, that's. I think that's why he kills Werner Herzog. Say in the first one, the law, the law, the courts won't do justice he's going to get away but the justice what's justified here is that he's going to be shot so he just shoots him in the head and the, similar to that is in that fight with the four or five guys the guy says to him how do you want to do this and he just goes one at a time i get a baseball bat <laughs> <laughs> that's good i like that that's yeah, a good yeah. line you're right it was good but and that's a shame is that the the problems with the film they make the things that are genuinely quite good about it difficult to pick out and to enjoy i i was sat there thinking ah oh, this is hard this is a long film and it's feeling long and when i was wondering like could i just fast forward some bits well even when it sort of springs into life and there's running and jumping and climbing and punching and kicking and shooting so much of it i was still thinking but why is this happening yeah 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 I'm so glad that's what you thought. I was like, why? I thought it right at the beginning. Like, why is he calling Major Turner? Why does he start calling this random woman who used to work at his desk? And... Oh, that's because he... The story before that we see in the first five minutes right. with the MPs picking up, he'd obviously spoken to her because she's head of the MP of his old unit to to get them to come and arrest those cops. So that's uh, where it started. That's why he right. got back in touch with them. Okay, so and I missed but that. But then after, Fair it's just him... It's just him kind of going, oh, I like a voice, so I'm going to call this nice. Fair, um, fair enough. That's fine. Peter. Okay, I, uh, fine. Okay, but it doesn't change the fact that there's lots of other moments in the thing, like what's going on, why, yeah, not? and you know, well, not blowing my own trumpet here, but I, I'm a pretty smart guy. I usually follow films quite well. I, I, I get object. Memento. <laughs> I get, I get the smart. Matrix. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. There's that scene. The scene where they where they end it's up in the not warehouse. It's a complicated film, and but it's still got the feeling of what the hell's going on here. So, so that bit in the warehouse where you're saying where he says, you know, um, baseball bat line. Yeah. Prior to that, that just happens. Like, yeah. okay, he's gone to to, to speak to this um, uh, find Pretty information dumb. from the drug addict, but yeah. suddenly, unless I missed it, suddenly it becomes very dark, and he's been followed by yeah. lots of people. And they all, and they run into a warehouse and they have this fight and it's like, where the hell did that come from? Like it, it feels really, yeah. and they kind of go, oh yeah, we were watching the wife kind of thing, but it's not really enough of an explanation. Just sort of seems to be a set piece to show yeah, off a bit more fighting. They just plopped it in there, yeah, yeah. And you could have seen them watching the wife, and you could have made it more integrated. And that's the thing is that none of the bits feel like they fit together. I don't know whether they had a like problem with the shooting schedule or they just didn't think that. The audiences like to see 
the characters in the scenes from previous like it's characters in one scene going to the next scene it's just like it seems to be the only thread that we've got is the hunter kobe smolders and tom cruise just like they're the thing that ties it together and none of them are actually interesting enough to tie i don't want to you know bang the drum too much but i think what that shows about the first film because i don't think the first film is massively complex no but what it shows is how good a writer Chris McQuarrie is to make that stuff look effortless and bring the audience along with you and, and feel genuinely invested and genuinely involved and have that sense of tension of a real cat and mouse between yeah. him and the Zek and the Zek's guys. And in this, it's just a couple of storylines colliding every now and then. Yeah. A crisscrossing yeah, like right. a double helix, you know? And you're right. It's not a complex plot, but there is something to be uncovered. And we're interested in the way that it's uncovered. And you can feel that you're part of that detectiveness. And you're like, oh, right, yeah, okay, or that bit. And it's like, ah, oh, right, it's the guys. But there's nothing revelatory about how the plot unfolds in this. Nothing. I think part of it, actually thinking about it, is, is it's, because the, it's because the unfolding is, is basically one step. And the step <laughs> is talking to the drugged up guy who tells you what was going on. And that's it. Yeah. yeah, that that you put your finger on it, Richard. That's it. You got it. Uh, you got it. And you have an hour before that, and then he tells you what happened, and you have an hour after that. It's no longer a detective book at all. It's kind of like a, like I said, it's this this odd kind of actiony film with a little bit of thriller with so little detection. And even and even that bit, that Prudhomme guy, was not difficult to find. The little girl found him yeah. one night. They yeah. walk into an underpass and go, "Where's Prudhomme?" And he gives himself up, and he spills everything. Surely the JSOC guys could have done that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So you know, and I know you don't want you don't want to hate on the film too much, but there is so much wrong as as we're uncovering. Right, there's so much that doesn't feel right, doesn't fit right, and and I think that any success this film has is because it's a sequel to the one that preceded it. Yeah. In fact, do you think you're right in the the easiness because? Um... The daughter Samantha. She even says, "I spoke to some people about drug users, and they told me about this this famous underpass where all the veterans go to shoot <laughs> up." Yeah, it was like this is the yeah, it was specifically that one place. It's like as if it had a sign out the front. And you're yeah. like, yeah, there's a, a different place that? where the hipsters go to. But even drugs. yeah, even but that the veterans go here. <laughs> it's so easily explained, and she just goes. People talk to me. It's a yeah, thing. It's a, th- <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. You lazy, lazy bastards. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, actually, before that moment, I was kind of buying her attitude and her teenagery and that she's cheap, street smart and whatever. But after that moment, I was like, nah, you're not. It doesn't work. I don't think there's anything wrong with that actress. I think she's, she's yeah. fine. I guess it's also I didn't like her in Heroes, Heroes Reborn or whatever it was she was in. Just one other line that I liked was, um, and I and I wish that I could say this line with the charm that Tom Cruise can say it without it coming across as creepy. I'll tell you right now, you can't. You can't. I know I can't. <laughs> we'll try, um, though, because it'll be funny. When he's lying on the bed with Kobe Smulders and says, never underestimate the charm of a seedy motel. Yeah, I like that one. Like and, that he, one. and then even following it up with, you and I should go to a seedy motel sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he does subsequently like cock block himself, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was it was a charming moment. I thought. Yeah, so that's another thing. Before we get into some of our regular things, because I, I think we probably should move on into them. I didn't quite believe the chemistry between them, and I'm not sure why. I couldn't put my finger on it. So my only note was, I'm not buying their chemistry. What chemistry? I, it's always that thing of I get. Did you why. just say what chemistry, Richard? Yeah. Oh, right, there okay. wasn't chem- there wasn't really it was bad oh, right. chemistry if it was chemistry. No, I, I get why he's attracted to her. I don't really get why she's attracted to him in this right. film. Is that just because we're dudes? Is that what's going on? Is that part of it? Is for me the age difference. He yeah. he clearly looks twenty years older than her. Well, Rob Marland yes, has indeed. made this comment before, and it is starting to appear much more than it ever has. D- they start to make comment to it slightly they make him some reference to it when they're first running they're first driving away from the prison they're hearing over the radio their own descriptions and one says that she's a white woman 35 and tom cruise says 
35? Really? Well, I think his comment there is saying, oh, you you look younger. I wouldn't think that you were 35, right? Yeah. I, I thought that that's what he's saying. And she's like, shut up. This isn't the time for that. I don't think it's being ignored. It's not being paid enough attention to, right? How old is he now? 55? Yeah. You have the, so they have the advantage in, in the books that they just write stories. He can be whatever age the author says. And also in, in the books, he pretty much always gets some, um, which they haven't done in the films. So, so because well, his age is valuable. Did. Oh, that's true. Right at the beginning. Yeah. 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 But, but he normally, he normally gets some with the main characters who are usually someone with a, with a badge or a uniform. Oh, in fact, ooh, that he does, he even, there, there is a line, or maybe we might need this for the cruiserverse in the, book for the original Jack Reacher he takes a line from A Few Good Men and uses that line really interesting which is um, there's nothing better than a, than spending the night with a woman that you have to salute in the morning that's a Jack Nicholson line yeah yeah that Jack Nicholson line Reacher says that because in lots of the books he ends up sleeping with lots of senior female officers from various sure. places you've teased the cruiserverse there if you wish to make a movie star from scratch, you must first invent the Cruiserverse. Did you notice who played the TSA guy who checked yes. um, Reach's phony ID at the yeah. airport? It's Lee Child, the author of the books. And we didn't mention this. He's also in the first film. He's he the desk sergeant at the police station really? who gives Jack Reacher his toothbrush back. Wow, okay. Which means that within the Jack Reacher films, and therefore within the Cruiserverse, there is a Lee Childverse. Because no, this guy no. is going around playing different my roles. Mind is, my mind is blown. I've got no idea <laughs> what the Cruiserverse is for this film. I mean, we've got already got our... Yeah, just it's just another a continuation. Of, of, yeah, exactly. Jack Reacher, that's it. The only, the only thing... Obviously, that ties it to previous films not in the Jack Reacher uh, franchise is the fact that he's a deadbeat dad again. Yes. And so my like in theory, War of the Worlds, War of the Worlds. Yeah, exactly. My theory is that Samantha is Rachel from War of the Worlds, but in a different timeline. Rising up on Salisbury Hill. Dun, 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 dun. I think you mean <laughs> my little deuce coop. You don't know what I got. My little deuce coop. So even more reason to cast Dakota Fanning. Yeah, exactly. Well, in another timeline, she is Dakota Fanning. Yeah. yeah. Do you are you interested to hear my my cruiserverse theory? Please, absolutely, kind of Richard. The guest it. gets the guest gets the last laugh. Uh, it's actually it's more it's a it's more of a crossover between Jack Reacher and Tom Cruise and where the two meet. So okay, do it, do it. So for they're both pretty, they're both the same age. So they're supposed to be the same age in reality, so like when they're born. Reacher's father is a Marine who fought in Vietnam. As we might recall from Born on the 4th of July, uh, Ron Kovic is a Marine fighting at that same time. Wow, he's really going for the number one fan spot here. <laughs> Rob, you should be shaking in your yeah, boots. Rob Marland is, is oh, furious right <laughs> so, now. Uh, so my thought was that maybe the, the, the same guys... The same uh, scientists from Universal Soldier well, this selected is <laughs> Ron Kovacs seaman whilst he was in the hospital with all those Obviously, pumps, obviously, yeah. Keep in order in. to create a super soldier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm they with possibly you, <laughs> mix it up with a little bit of uh, a little bit of Dolph Lundgren's, a little bit of um, John Claude Van Damme's. Wait, wait why? Uh, possibly why? I don't think I don't think this because is because they're trying to create this this yeah epic soldier uh, possibly like um, a little bit of Adam Baldwin you know from <laughs> Full Metal Jacket Animal I, get, I get these I get these mixing in order to create why? why yeah why because they're trying to create the perfect perfect soldier There's, you know or perfect oh so like too. so his biology can handle the time traveling that he's going to be doing yes and the running and the jumping off of things of course because that's so taxing. But obviously, what happens is, is that obviously. they're assuming <laughs> they're expecting to birth to be given to one person. What actually happens is one is born Jack Reacher, 
who is six foot three, blonde and blue eyed, and much like Danny DeVito, one is born with duck hair. <laughs> Brilliant. This is the best cruiserverse ever. And a little bit shorter. So they are both, in fact, related. So Tom, Tom Cruise is, is the shit left over. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's great. Wow. This is the best cruiserverse it's ever. It's definitely the most offensive cruiserverse. <laughs> is there more, Richard? Is there more? No, no. Well, the only, the only little thing that possibly... I thought was if um, just a little link. If if Adam Baldwin, Animal Mother, was in there, who who? What do you consider his uh, Adam Baldwin's other well known um, role to be? Alex probably is it backdraft? I was going to say Firefly. Yeah, Firefly, Serenity, Firefly. Adam Baldwin. Sorry, Adam Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie Bartlett in one of those episodes. Do you know Bonnie Bartlett is? No, Marianne Benedict. The actress okay. that plays Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito's mother right. is actually in Firefly with Adam Baldwin. Jesus Christ, this is going. Yeah, well, there's a bit of a stretch there We're by bringing in Adam Baldwin. To be fair, but well, I, I was it. thinking who would be who would be his mother. So I would thought Animal Mother might be his mother. Okay, Richard, are there are there like newspaper cuttings or cuttings out from yeah. like Empire and? Movie review things with all just, over your wall with yeah, pieces string. of string, pieces of yeah. string line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Should I just turn the camera around so you can see? <laughs> no, 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 don't. I don't want to be horrified by this uh, wall thing, Richard. I I like it. It's the links are getting. I dare I say more spurious than some of the ones that I've made on this, Alex. I think yeah. it makes perfect sense, and yeah. I'll also say that now is a good time to probably reveal that for season three. We are doing Dolph Lundgren. No. <laughs> no, he's, not. He's only made good films. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Well, well done, Richard. You really, you really ran with you that one. You nailed it. There's no question. By you far the up... best guest Cruiserverse, for sure. Without a doubt. You, you win. Thank you. I guess, we're still, yeah, whether it matches up with uh, the pre-existing Cruiserverse... Oh, it's not canon. Oh, it's not canon. We're going to completely ignore it next week, but it was it was certainly fun. Definitely. No, I'm not. It's definitely Tom Cruise is part of the Universal Soldier program. I can't get that out of my head now. That's why he has to ride on the motorbikes and drive cars and do all his stunts. It's all this thing, chip on his shoulder, prove himself. being the shit left behind. What you don't see is after all of that running, that he has to go and sit in an ice bath for six hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you see him often with his top off, you know, in a in a seedy motel. There's That's probably right. ice in that bath. It's to cool off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always doing it that. Makes perfect sense. It, it makes perfect sense. We haven't talked about any of your staples. Yeah. So, well, we've talked about running. There is shirtlessness. There is, and Kobe too. She gets a shirt. A little off. bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I actually quite like the way they were just like. In the first movie, you got Rosamund Pike there going, "Oh, please put a shirt on," and he's yeah. like, "This is my shirt." And then in this one, they're like, no, they've both got their shirts off. And I think what was good about that scene is, it, and because she's in the, she's still in um, army gear, she's got her army yeah. pants on, she's got a really yeah, yeah. boring bra on, and they're talking about what it's like to be in the army and what it's like to be yeah, a drifter. Yeah. And there was a nice feeling to that, that even though they're both shirtless, it was completely asexual. Yeah, precisely because of that, because they've both got that military background, because they would have seen, you know, other men yeah. and women changing into right. different gear and all that sort. Of. And th- that that actually felt quite believable, and there yeah, was authentic. more there was more depth in the relationship in that moment than anywhere else in the film. I agreed. Thought. Yeah, yeah, it really is a good point. Yeah, shirtlessness, jumping off things. Probably my favorite action beat in the film is when he jumps off of the container onto the guy gunning the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't... I was still stuck on, like, where'd this guy come from? Oh, yeah. How how did Fine. how did they find them there? I, yeah. There's nothing... Maybe I was bored and I missed the how they found them, but... Now, a big one for looking taller than he is. Right. I felt oh, really? there was I very deliberate casting of the, the lawyer that's appointed to Turner at the beginning when... Cruz meets him outside, and there's a profile two shot of of the two of them stood together, him and the lawyer, Cruz yeah, and the a lawyer. Small guy, the guy. You can see. He was so short. Yeah. And he made Cruz look a good four or five inches taller than him. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, because it's Jack Reacher, the voice of reason. Yeah. yeah I, again, of... I I missed it. I'm sure it's there. 
Did you get any others? I don't think he considered it to be considered to be in every film, but the other thing he did is loads of climbing because mm-hmm. there's a bit where he's like climbing up to the from the ground, uh, street level up to balconies in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm that's... assuming that probably was Cruz using his yeah. yeah it was climbing skills to do that. Um, but he wasn't obviously he's not rich. He's the opposite of rich. Oh, true. Thirty eight dollars. And Richard doesn't woo. We already talked about would like John Dahl to direct Reacher 3. For anyone who's not familiar with John Dahl, he did a string of great uh, modern noir films in the 90s like Red Rock West, The Last Seduction. Uh, I'm blanking on any others of his. Oh, uh, Road Roadkill slash Joyride, the uh, Lila oh, Sobieski film. Yeah, yeah, I love that really movie. good. Kill Me Again. Is that one with uh, Joan Wally? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's That's another good. little crossover, actually, with the Red Rock West. In Red Rock, Red Rock West... The main character, he's a Marine who's been uh, got a bad leg, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to have happened in the Beirut bombing in the 80s. Reacher is also has scars. The scars you see on Reacher's chest are from that same bombing, so to say. Right. Beirut bombing. But it's, um, except you've got um, Nicolas Cage is the, is the character. So there is room for Nicolas Cage to enter the Jack Reacher franchise he's, as an old... Yeah, in, in this in this world, he has... Yeah, they've both been in the same bombing in the same place. Well, I'm I'm for it. So whether that'd does that weird. mean we that'd should have a John Dahl with Jack Reacher as Cruz and then we need Nick Cage has got to be the bad guy somehow? Yeah. Is that what we're Sign saying? me up. It's amazing. Sign me up. <laughs> so that's, that's Reboot Remake done. Well, actually, just on that, one one suggestion I would have had to make this film automatically better yeah. would to have uh, brought in an actor who has briefly turned up in the Cruiserverse before to play the Hunter character, Josh Holloway, Sawyer oh, from Lost. You know I'd love that. Him in that role mm. would have he would have smashed that. I think. Yeah, he would have. If we're going to write a letter to John Dahl and Tom Cruise to try and get these guys together to make mm. a, maybe a lower budget Jack Reacher film. Uh, which of the books would you like to see next? I knew you were going to ask me that, but only but only in the last twenty seconds that I think. Oh, he's going to ask me that. <laughs> um, and and the answer is I don't know. At least I've not thought about it. Actually, possibly Killing Floor, which is the very first one. Killing, and possibly the problem with Killing Floor is, and actually maybe a lot of the others, whether they're a bit too brutal. And and possibly a little bit far fetched, this might be, or, or harder to believe on screen. So, for example, quite often what happens is is over time, what's happened is, and this is why it's possibly a good reason for having Cruz play the part, is that his adversaries have had to get bigger and bigger and bigger for there to be any feeling that he's ever in any kind of danger. So, there's one of the more recent books that the main adversary is supposed to be seven foot. 300 pounds and he's so big his house has been built 1.5 times bigger than normal so all the doors <laughs> and fixings <laughs> are 50% larger than normal which is kind of more than a little bit ridiculous right, look just off the top of my head Shaquille O'Neal let's get him in there yeah 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 or Dave Batista. Oh yeah actually Batista would fit better with his look actually with with a lot of the bad guy characters that you have in the in the rich novels can you imagine Cruz fighting Batista? No, but I, I want it. <laughs> it would be amazing. Just him doing to Cruz what he does to Ryan Gosling at the beginning of Blade. Yeah, but I was just going to say, it can't be too dissimilar from that fight, right? Yeah. In terms of the size difference and how it looks. Yeah. Numbers, man. Give them yeah. to me. Okay, so... It's your numbers. The budget on this one was $60 million. Now, if I just look back at the previous Jack Reacher... The budget for that film was also $60 million. Hmm. The big difference, Tom Cruise's salary on the first film was $7.5 million. On this one, it was 28 So almost half the budget went into the producer star's pocket. The worldwide gross of the first film was $218 million. Worldwide gross for this one, $161. And the first film... It took a long time for them to greenlight a sequel because it underperformed. So I think this might signal the end of the Reacher franchise. Yeah, unless it's a shame. Tom but... Cruise pulls something really amazing out of his pocket. It's your numbers. I think the way to go to the, with the franchise is 
to do one of those mid-budget movies, do a $30, $40 million version of it, make it much smaller and tighter. Because the first film could have been that. Like and, Roadkill. And, and, yeah, and make it more about the yeah. characters rather than have yeah, this yeah. sort of sprawling multi-city conspiracy, which but, we've but, seen you know, we've in other it. franchises. Yeah, We fixed the Reacher franchise. We've done it. I want to see Jack Reacher um, hunt down um, like aliens at Area no. 51. No, no, I definitely don't. <laughs> It's a small town. What, it's hunting down town. aliens to break their legs, you mean? Yeah, just to break their legs. That's it. <laughs> Take that, little man. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Before we get to ranking it then, Richard, I'm intrigued as to what maybe two or three of your favourite Tom Cruise movies might be. Yeah, I did. Well, I created my top ten, as you as you asked for. I've got kind of Magnolia, Rain Man, Colour of Money, Eyes Wide Shut, Valkyrie... Jack Reacher, I've got at seven. Never go back. It's not even on the on the list. Well, sure. not on the top ten. Edge of Tomorrow is up in there as well. I don't. What is controversial is I wrote this list and then realised that Top Gun's not in it. Mm. And then it's I took a pause for thought. Went, no, perfectly perfectly normal not to put Top Gun in your top ten. And actually, the other thing for you guys is I haven't got any of the uh, Mission Impossible's in there. Yeah, oh, not not really yeah. a fan. Different. Hmm. I'm rethinking this number one fan spot now. <laughs> I don't dislike them. I just prefer the other films that I just said. And the, part of the problem is, yeah. there's some awfully good. There's a lot of actually good films. Yeah, it sounds like you're more interested in the ones where Cruise gives a a really good performance. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think they're yeah. So it's partly possibly using different criteria than you so i'm I, I wouldn't normally use the although i do rewatch a lot of movies that's not a big thing that i pick when i'm trying to decide whether a movie is good or bad and often the ones that are hard to watch again are, are the are the good ones hmm. you know because of the emotional journey that they take you on and possibly i guess as people are discovering listening as you're going through the movies tom cruise has made and or starred in an awful lot of very good films yeah, yeah, that's the point. Making a list of ten is hard, like because yeah. there were lots I had to drop out of that. That good movies that I would watch again, and I kind of had Tropic Tropic Thunder would be in there if he was a if he was playing a full part. That probably is my favourite performance of Cruise ever. Wow, it's him in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I just it just makes me laugh so much every time. Right. Okay, good. Uh, well, ben, rank it. Interestingly. Tropic Thunder was the watermark for me for this film. Like, do I go above or below Tropic Thunder? And I've actually really? gone below. I'm putting. Oh. I when the film started, I thought, yeah, this is this will be in the top half. It's not. It's in the bottom half. So it's below actually Night and Day, and above wow. Legend. That doesn't surprise me that it's above Legend. And that's a big drop because the first Jack Reacher film at the moment is number four for me. Jack reaches it. Yeah, it's number four for me as well, and I've gone way lower than you, man. This is below Far and Away. I just, Ooh. I decided I would love, I would love to watch Far and Away again now. Really? That the accent? Never go back is above Outsiders, below Far and Away. It's definitely way in the bottom ten. I had a fonder memory of it. Um, yeah, right. Than I did an experience watching it this time. But it, it's a pass. It's a reasonable enough film it's just not anywhere near as good as the first one yeah i just i'm such a stickler for action movies i can't i wouldn't recommend it there's so many better action movies to watch i don't know that you'd ever be so stuck for a good movie to watch that you'd have to watch this well all that remains to say is thank you very much dr richard for joining us and giving us your reacher experience you're very welcome hopefully everything has been accurate uh, if I have any made any mis- any mistakes with my understanding or memory of Reacher Cannon, obviously please write in <laughs> to the hey, look, verse, it, the anthology. And no, no, write, write to Richard. Don't if write I know our fans, even if you've got everything wrong, they are not going to write in. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually coming to love our fans for not ever ever writing in or engaging. Not engaging, not listening. It makes our life so yeah. much easier. Yeah, yeah. We don't get trolled. We don't get anyone saying anything to it. It's kind of it's good. It was one of my fears about doing this at first, but you know. And next time, we will be talking about 2017's The Mummy, which Alex has not yet seen. No, I've not. 
I just picked it up on DVD. The hardcore fan base will already know my feelings on that film. So, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next time for that. Until next time... Uh... Woo! Yay, <laughs> Richard did it. Good. I was going to say, how do I tell Richard to do the woo? And he just did it. That's great. It was quite a good woo. Quite effeminate, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah. Oh, well, you can tell from my voice that, yeah, suits, suits me. Bearded lady. <laughs> don't forget, you can jack reachers at... The Arnithology on Twitter, The Arnithology on Facebook, and The Arnithology at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>